0: Almighty Lord, uh, we thank you that your wisdom is perfect and complete and that it's found not in uh, the ways of men, but it's, it's altogether different and better. Lord, we thank you that as we come before you, we get to learn uh, what you desire from us, how you desire us to, to practice wisdom, and to trust you with it. I ask that you guide us, that you teach us, most importantly, that you teach us to embrace the cross, um, to not run from, from it, but to run towards it. Guide us, Lord, in all these things. We pray in your name. Amen. So if you remember, um, I don't think it was last week. It was two weeks ago, probably. Uh, we covered the virtue of faithfulness. Um, not a, not a light and breezy topic. Uh, faithfulness, right? At, at best in the world is seen as this sense of loyalty. Um, but only so far as it's a two way street. Right, the world sees faithfulness as, well, I'll be faithful to you so long as you're faithful to me. Um, and if you, know, you mess up and you're unfaithful, that kind of voids any, any right I have to be faithful to you. Um, it's a two-way street. It's conditional. Um, and it's about you. right? Uh, ultimately, faithfulness is, well, you have to be faithful to yourself. You have to be loyal to yourself. Put yourself first. Uh, follow your heart right that that refrain is all over reality tv and and the internet and and uh, the lives that people lead the problem is right that if you were to follow your heart where would you go <laughs> right off the deep end right you'd go off a cliff because your heart wants to be unfaithful your heart does not naturally desire to be faithful steadfast loyal even when the other person doesn't deserve it uh, and the world right is is putting this constant pressure on everybody to conform to what they think faithfulness should be, which means you can do essentially what you want as long as it's not hurting someone else. Uh, You can be unfaithful, you can be adulterous with your looks, right, with your eyes, with your thoughts um, and that doesn't really matter. And the constant pressure for for everybody, right, not just guys but guys and girls is to be unfaithful in those little ways. Uh, unfaithful physically, unfaithful emotionally, unfaithful uh, with your time and your energy. But the problem is, right, this road is not a neutral road. This is not, okay, these little tiny things are not a big deal. Right? These are the stepping stones to further and deeper and darker sins. Um, and it's like trying to swim against the current of a raging river. river. I almost said river. Um, and so as much as we need to take seriously the sin of unfaithfulness... Uh, we also talked about how you can't win against the river. right? Your faithfulness does not depend on you and your strength. Because your faithfulness has to acknowledge that you are a sinner, that you have been unfaithful and you will be unfaithful. And the proper thing to do is not to try harder, right? but to repent, to trust God, to give it to the Lord, um, and to seek uh, the other person's favor. You know, to, to repent before them and say, I have sinned against you and and been unfaithful in these ways. Because ultimately, right, our faithfulness begins with God's faithfulness. That's why repentance is so important, is because we can only be faithful once we accept that we need Jesus, that we need his salvation, and without it we're lost. But once we've accepted that, right, now we have a rock. We have God and his faithfulness, we can hold on to him when we fail, when we make mistakes. So we talked about all of that last or two weeks ago. Um, so we're we're actually almost at the end of this whole lesson series. Can you believe it? We started all the way back. Um, I don't even remember October or something. We started talking about okay. So what does it look like to love God with your mind? Right. We talked about truth. We talked about patience. Um, Others that I should remember, but I don't. Um, we talked about loving God with our hearts. Right? What does it look like to love him uh, with our hearts? Uh, and now we have a couple of things to wrap up. Right? How do we love God with our lives? A um, couple of questions to tie the bow, you know, nice and neat and tidy. Um, so I think this week and next week will be the last on virtues. Um, today we're going to talk about one last question that we need to wrap up. And that last question is how do I know what virtue to apply to what situation and when and how and what does that look like? Right? All these virtues are great. It's wonderful. But how on earth do I even begin to, to begin to wrap my mind around what to do in a certain situation? What should I be doing in the situation? Because, right, life is messy we have all these neat categories that we set up. Here's what generosity looks like. Here's what faithfulness is like. Here's what all these categories and virtues are like. And then you get into life, right? And you realize, oh, it's actually hard to figure out what to do. Sometimes it seems like there's competing forces or something looks good, but something, maybe this is better. Um, And not just, you know, in, in... moral circumstances but like where should i go where should i move what job should i take who should i marry uh how should i you know pursue and use my time Uh, things like that in other words right we wish there was this book that would tell us everything about every circumstance and every situation and just you know manual list out every circumstance and what to do in it right that would be amazing and we wish the Bible was like that. Right? We wish the Bible would just give us the answers, or that God would just, you know, put a signpost to say, "Here's what I want you to do," and you know, that'd be so much easier than trying to figure it out on our own. Uh, but if that were true, right? If there were this book, first of all, it'd be a one billion pages long, uh, and second, it wouldn't be helpful. Right, you'd have to search the whole thing for every circumstance, and there's always going to be something slightly different, right? Because you're not going to be in the same exact circumstance as someone else, and you also have a lot of memorization to do to, you know, learn the whole thing. So, what's the solution? Right, the Bible is not like this. The Bible doesn't give us this list of here's what to do in every circumstance. We wish it would. But it gives principles. So, what so what's what does that mean? What are the principle? What's the main principle that the that the Bible teaches us to help us figure out what do I do? In about scripture? Yeah, in scripture.
1: Well, I'd say Dave would say probably Psalms
0: fifteen.
1: <laughs> I would say probably Colossians 3.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: And so I would say, in my vernacular, we have guardrails.
0: Sure. And what
1: we do in between is how we show our honor and what we've learned and what we have not learned to God. And he sets up distinct guardrails that keep us on the
0: road. Sure. The but if, so if we have these way. guardrails, right? Is the stuff in the middle just super fuzzy, just like gray area? Like do whatever. As long as you're within the guide rails, it doesn't matter what you do. No. Why? What, what's, what does scripture give us? Well, I was gonna say, I'm gonna cheat a little bit and look at this. No, no cheating, Dave. I know you're a cheater, but don't I think cheat.
2: It's wisdom. <laughs> oh, really? You think so?
0: By the way, it is a virtue. Yeah. Isn't, that, isn't that convenient? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so, so yes, Scripture gives us these guide rails. I would say that all the virtues that we've been talking about help us understand what these guide rails are. Right Here's, here's where faithfulness should lead us, um, but in the middle, right? About that, that in the middle part where you actually have to apply it, where you have to say, okay, I'm in this sticky situation and I don't really know what to do. You could say, well, I wish someone would just tell me exactly what to do. Or you could say, Well, what is what does Scripture actually give us? What resources does Scripture give us? And the answer is it gives us wisdom. It tells us, here is here's what you need. You don't need a book called How to How to Not Be Stupid for Dummies. You need a book that tells you the principles that you need to have in your life. It tells you here's how you should how you should live with wisdom. And that's all well and good, you say. But Isaac, I don't know what wisdom is. Well that's a great question. What is wisdom? What do you think? What's what is wisdom? Is wisdom knowing when to when to sell the stock and when to buy the stock? Is wisdom saying, well, I'm going to go for the highest paying job. Michelle.
1: I think it's knowing your right place in the world and God's structure of creation and then
0: moving forward in, in that position, that correct position. Okay. Yeah, wisdom has to start with some correct understanding of who you are and who God is. John. Yeah, that's a great start. Uh, definitely. Proverbs says that wisdom is, uh, the, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. That's great. So John, what is the fear of God? Mm-hmm.
1: So if your decision falls within justice, which means righteousness and being um, good to your neighbor, I would say that, um, then the next is showing mercy. And there's several things that fall under mercy. Love, patience, kindness, all those things, fall under mercy. And then walking humbly with the Lord is a tough thing to do, because that means you're going to trust Him. Yeah. Somebody
0: you don't know isn't going to quite like It's it's a lot harder, yeah. Job said that he would
1: trust the Lord even though he slew him. That's a big step.
0: Yeah, that's faith. That's that's
1: that's knowing somebody. In depth, I would say. So I don't know if that answered your question,
0: but that's that's a great start. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. To summarize, for you know, nursery and for anyone who didn't hear, fearing God, right, is is to know Him, to know who God is. Uh, I would add that you know, to know who God is is helps us see. Okay, so what does God want? What does God prioritize? What are God's values? Um, what are the, the the kinds of things that God loves? What are the kinds of things that God hates? Right. To know God means you understand His character. You understand the way that He works, um, and you also, in fearing God, there's a sense not just of knowing Him, but of respecting Him. And you know, it doesn't mean you're carrying a fear, but yeah, you're you fear Him. He's more powerful than you. He's bigger than you. The claims that He puts on you are real, and the consequences for rejecting His claims on your life are also real. Right? Fearing God means recognizing his claims on your life and submitting to those claims. Because to know him right, know, means you know his power. You know what happens in scripture when people do their own thing. Look at Judges. How many times in the book of Judges does it say, and the people did what was right in their own eyes. Right? They followed after what they wanted to do. And what happened? God said, all right, you want to do what, what's right in your own eyes? Here's the consequence. Boom, Philistines. Boom, Amorites. The other ones that I, that I remember. Right, there's this consequence for doing what's right in your own eyes. And if the, if the Lord's people understood that and feared him enough to conform their lives to his claim, uh, things would have gone a lot differently. But now, not just fearing God, right? Because Proverbs says that fearing the Lord is, is the beginning of wisdom. That's the starting point. Recognizing who God is, the things that he loves and hates, his priorities, God's values, his claims on your life. Now you can start to say, okay, so what does God want from me specifically? Right? I know the values that he has in general, but how do we know what God wants from us specifically? How does God direct you personally? Dave, you've already answered. I'm going to try to get someone else to, to talk. Yeah, Matthew.
2: Not but that we our path.
0: Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Wisdom then is applying what we know about God and what we know, what we see in Scripture to our own lives. In a sense, you could say that your relationship with the Lord is how the Lord directs you. That, you know, we all know God in, in our own way. Um, he reveals himself in the same ways to everybody, right? But the, you have a relationship, a personal relationship with God. That's a profound thing, right? And that means that the Lord has a personal relationship with you, that the ways that He you know, will, will guide you and direct you might be a little bit different from someone else. So what other ways might God direct you personally? Let me give you an example. you have, you have two job opportunities on the table they're one hundred percent you have the job. you just need to decide which one. This is you know a high paying job. Uh, it's above-average pay, really great benefits, but it's doing something that you don't think you're good at. You're not really skilled at it, but it's 100% yours. You, you can learn how to do it well, and you get all these great benefits. Or here's a job that you are really gifted at, that you think, this is right up my alley, but it doesn't pay nearly as much. Um, the benefits are not as great, but you think you're really gifted in this way. Which do you pick? What do you think? Okay, yeah. So there's context, right? Do you have a family to feed? That's a good start. So what are the what are my priorities? Do I have a family that I need to take care of? Is the money important enough to justify taking this job? Is okay. Is there wherever these jobs are, is there a fellowship of believers to worship at? What else? What other? How? How else might God direct you in in a decision like this? What steps would you take to try to decide which one, Michelle? I like James one
1: five. Any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God to give generously to all without reproach, and it will be
0: given to him. Yeah, pray absolutely. About pray about it. It's you know obvious, but I think if you're like me, you forget to pray about. Decision. Maybe it's you know huge, huge decisions you'll pray about it, but maybe littler decisions you forget. But praying about things we should not take for granted. Praying about decisions. Praying for wisdom. God directs us when we ask him to. Dave? It
2: seems like a really key component to this is when you, when you know someone you, you spend time with them you, you ask questions of them, you get to know them as a person better. Know God well enough unless we're in His Word. And uh, how many times I've, after the fact, looked at a a passage of scripture and said, Oh, boy, I wish I'd known that before (laughs) I faced that situation or whatever. But I think when we're faced with something that requires us to make a decision, you know, you pray about it, but you also spend time in God's Word. Dig in deep to figure out what would God have me do? How does
0: His Word guide me? Yeah. You, get, you would ask, so what are God's priorities and you search scripture to see, okay, so what does God what does God prioritize? And there's lots of passages that could be applicable to a situation like this. And again, it maybe it depends on context. If you have a family to feed and, and the job you're gifted at would not be enough money, would it be wise to take that job? You know?
1: You need to seek godly counsel
0: too. There you go. Also that, absolutely. Yeah, ask for advice. You have people in your life. You have a church. Right? Go to the church. Go to your elders. Go to your pastor. Go to your friends. Go to your family. And say, so I'm, I'm facing this dilemma. Right, Here's this job that's you know, high paying, but I, I just don't think I'm good at it. I could probably do it well enough, but it's not what I love doing. It's not what I'm gifted at. Or here's this job I'm really gifted and passionate about, but just, the pay is not that great. You know, ask for advice. Seek people's counsel. And, you know, Proverbs says, with a multitude of counselors, right, not just the people that will tell you what you want to hear. Take the high-paying job. Do it. The money's worth it. Money's great. Don't you love money? (laughs) Should you listen to that person? What about somebody else who says, you know, you, you have somebody to take care of? You have a spouse or you have kids or, you know, you want to be married Maybe the money is important that you should be setting it aside or pursuing that for the time being. Uh, there's, there's, I'm not, you know, trying to say, well, y'all need to make a decision today, which is the best course of action. The point is, right? What are the steps that you take? Praying, searching Scripture, seeking counsel, right? Steve. Yeah. Yeah. Am, am I trying to make a decision that's best for me or that the Lord wants me to make?
2: Which brings you to Matthew 6 33, talking about seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. If yeah. your priority, he's going to
0: guide you. Yeah. He'll guide you and he'll provide for you. Yeah. Yeah, when when Mash and I took this call, right? I. Masha and I have been talking for a while about her quitting her job, especially you know with a baby on the way. Um, but it was kind of scary, right? Because having two incomes is nice. It, you you have more than enough. You can we could have enough wiggle room that we could you know make a few mistakes. We could live the way we wanted to live and still have enough money. But one of the things that we wanted to prioritize was her to be a mom, right? For her to take care of solo. And so we said Masha's going to quit her job. Right? It means instead of having this much, we have this much. But we need to trust that God will provide what we need, and that we're going to prioritize what we think is most important, even though we may lose out on something else. So I think when you're making a decision, like which job do I take, should I quit my job, should I stay in it, um, you know, all these steps are really good. But at the end of the day, right? Would it have been would it be wrong to take either job? I don't think so. I mean, if you're doing it from, you know, a selfish, prideful stance, maybe, right? You're like, oh, money, finally. You know, I get to buy that, I don't know, Lamborghini. I don't know what you'll buy. Um, finally get to buy that that nice snack that I want. Um, but it's not really wrong either way. Neither job is 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 morally wrong to take. So I think we can also see that wisdom is not just Okay, I need to do the best thing possible. I need to make sure I'm doing the very best that I can do, and and if I get it wrong, oh man, everything's gonna be terrible. Matthew. yeah there's there's this element of freedom where the apostles said well you know we we thought this was best so that's the the path that we took and implicit in that right is we thought it was best and we trusted god that it was (laughs) because here's here's the principle of wisdom that i think is really important um and it's it's hard to remember it's easy to forget and it also doesn't make sense um there are stupid decisions, but I don't think that we ever make a decision that was outside of God's plan. You can you can do something colossally dumb. Don't get me wrong. You could be a complete you know mumbling dorko and make a decision that was just. Why would you ever do that? You can look back and say, "Man, that was stupid," but I grew from it. Right, the Lord used it. I think because we believe in this robust view of God's sovereignty, right? This robust view that God is in control. What does that look like applied? Whatever decision I make, it's in God's hands. It belongs to Him, and I need to trust Him that whatever comes of it is is part of His plan for me. Right? It's that tension that we feel between: well, I can make these decisions, right? I have the ability to make decisions, and yet God's the one supremely in control. And we could dive and say, well, what is free will? Is there such a thing? It's not the point right now. The point is, yes, we can make decisions. You you could choose either job. But God will use either one. And the one that you choose is the one that he wants you to choose. It, It doesn't make a lot of sense, right? It seems almost paradoxical. But because God is in control, whichever decision you end up making is the one that he is has already led you towards and he has a plan for that so you can't you can't you know go off of god's plan god has this highway that you're supposed to be on you see an exit and you take it and god's like what now wait a minute i didn't i didn't tell you to take that exit now we have to change everything that was always part of what the lord had already planned for Um, so when we're talking about wisdom right we have to acknowledge that whatever decision we're making, we we trust God with it first. John, you have something to
1: add? You said it's part of the humility, walking with the Lord in humility, is understanding, first of all, that you're not in control. Right. And that whatever decision that happens, whatever consequence there is, is for God's glory and your God. Yeah. That's
0: the trust Yeah, Absolutely. So here's, here's my you know little pithy, short definition of, of wisdom. Um, wisdom is faith applied. Wisdom is faith believing in God, believing in Jesus, believing in His sovereignty, His power, his control, his claims upon your life, and applies that. all of that to decisions that you make, to your relationships right to which school do you go to which job do you take which person do you marry wisdom is faith applied cuz faith takes all the things it knows about God right all of God's values all of his priorities all of his character all of his power and abilities and says okay so in this situation how do i how do i apply that God is giving me gifts you know to use in a specific job or God is offering this job with enough pay to care for my family. Like either way, they're they're both good choices. But we get to, you know, God gives us the the gift of saying, "Well, trust me. Make a decision and trust me. That is for your good." So instead of the you know the Bible giving us this manual to memorize, it does something much 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 better. It says, "Here's wisdom. Here's." Take your faith that you've placed in me, and live it out. And what happens right when we trust God? What happens when we seek first the kingdom of God? What happens when we, when we trust Him and go to him and believe in him and order our lives around him? Good things. Right? It doesn't mean that you get everything you want. It doesn't mean that you will have you know that, that Lamborghini. That you want. Maybe I want a Lamborghini. Maybe that's why it keeps coming up. Or you, you, you know, I have this mansion or this beautiful house that you've always wanted. Or your family is, you know, beautiful and, and gets, you know, um, has really good relationships together that you've always wanted. Doesn't mean all of that will happen. But it means that the way that you respond to things not going your way. That's, that's part of wisdom as well. Responding with faith when things don't go the way that you want them to go. Scripture never guarantees an easy life. But it does guarantee that when you trust God, you will have what you need. And that God will provide. And that the things that are happening in this life are actually for your good, even if they don't feel like it. That's, That's what Scripture shows us over and over and over again. So now that we talked, you know, about what wisdom is, what is foolishness? Is foolishness you know, being a dummy, being being a smart aleck, Matthew? Uh, if if with, if, sorry,
2: if the fool says in his heart there is no God, then I think foolishness is acting as if you're not under authority, it's despising wisdom.
0: and Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's everything that wisdom isn't. Yeah, the little pithy I think applies right. If wisdom is faith applied, what is foolishness? What is what is foolishness applying? And what it, that's pride, right? If wisdom is faith applied, then foolishness is pride applied. That sounds nice. Pride applied. That's. You know that's not everything that foolishness is, but that's a. I think that's a good, good starting point because when we see in Proverbs, right, the fool and the wise man pitted against each other. Everything that the fool does is selfish, um, arrogant, prideful, um, self-serving, and everything the wise man does is self-giving. It's humble. It's uh, emptying of oneself, right? The wise person versus the foolish person. Just completely different attitudes. And Proverbs sets up for us the the two ideals, right? Here's Lady Wisdom and here's Lady Folly. Uh, In the first few chapters of of Proverbs, it sets these two up. Here's Lady Wisdom who is full of grace and humility uh, and joy. And Lady Folly is loud, arrogant, Boisterous and loose, giving herself away freely, um, tearing others down. so if you know wisdom is this pride applied, or wisdom is faith applied, then foolishness is applying your own pride to life, making decisions not out of faith, but out of what's good for me. What's best for me? Who cares what God thinks? It's really about what I want and what I think.
2: Righteous becomes a fool by uh, refusing to see God in all the things that he's made and created and
0: shown us about his character and nature. Yeah, the fool refuses to acknowledge God and trust him. So let's, let's look at a couple examples in scripture where we can see clearly wisdom or foolishness played out. Um, you know, we talked about one of the steps being, okay, which job do you take? Saying, okay, we should go to godly counsel. Right, we should seek someone who's going to give us good advice. And in fact, we should seek lots of people who would give us good advice, um, which hopefully means you know people who can give you good advice, or you should go and find someone who can give you good advice. Right, you don't just listen to anybody. Um, so, so one of the classic examples um, of listening to the wrong people, taking advice from the wrong people, does anyone have any guesses about what example in scripture? Rehoboam. Rehoboam. Mm-hmm. So tell me about the story of Rehoboam. What happened? Uh, what was that? Oh, <laughs> uh, he was Solomon's
2: son who came king and sought the wisdom of older men and said, "Be gentle with the people.
0: Mm-hmm. He sought the wisdom of young men and said, be harsh on the people make sure they know that you're king. Right. And he followed the young people. said. Yeah. So you were,
2: right.
0: Right. Well, not necessarily, but yeah, there was there was this element that he was following. He wanted to make himself look good, right? He was listening to the advice of some people who he wanted to get favor with, or he wanted to look good for, um, his peers. So yeah, Reubam. He becomes king, right? His his father dies. Father Solomon dies. Rehoboam is set up as king, and all the people come to him and say, "Please lessen our burdens. Let us let us not have this yoke of slavery that Solomon put on us." Um, and Rehoboam says, "Okay, I need to think about it." So he goes to two different parties, right? He goes to the counselors of Solomon. These older, wiser people, right? Solomon was one of the wisest kings there was. You would think that he would have wise counselors. Right, that the people that he would put in place around him to give him advice, he would make good decisions. He would choose good people. So Rehoboam says, well, I'm going to go to them and see what they say. And they say, well, lessen the burdens of the people and they will love you. Um, and then he goes to you know all of his his friends that he grew up with, his drinking buddies, people that you know he hangs out with and has a lot of laughs with. And he says, what do you guys think I should do? They say, you know what, it would be really great if you made the people fear you. Make this make the slavery worse. Make it harsher. Set yourself up to look like you're better than Solomon, your dad. And Rehoboam, right, takes their advice. And what happens? Do things go great for Rehoboam and the kingdom? The kingdom fractures. He listened to the wrong advice and the kingdom broke. God's people were split into two. And that's not a small thing. Imagine if, you know, someone made a decision and this church was split right down the middle. And now we're on opposite sides. That's how how terrible the consequences of his of his foolishness are. Right, wisdom is not just seeking you know, to have some, the right counsel, but listening to those who are smarter than you, wiser than you. Because wisdom has what? Humility. I don't know everything. I don't need to impress anybody, but I need to understand that somebody else has a better idea of what to do than I do. Jonathan, did you ever end up?
2: sure Where, you know these are people who are in some sense at least they think pointing towards god it's not as far off course as with reahomes sure they will say to but they are trying to climb above god and to assume that they know exactly what is going on with
0: job yeah and and job doesn't listen to them Being
2: foolish in other ways, and he foolish wait he doesn't listen to
0: them. yeah good good for job you know he he shows wisdom that he doesn't just you know, take, say, well, yeah, you're right. And he says, no, I know, I know God. He's applying his wisdom, right? Um, to who you listen to, and whose advice you take, wisdom says, have the humility to seek multiple counselors and to know and admit that you're not as smart as you want to be or as you think you are. Um, we'll skip a couple of things, but Let's, let's finish up, wrap up with uh, this question. Where do we see the wisdom of God most fully shown wide open and revealed? God's Word. God's Word. What, what specific event? John, you've answered every question. <laughs> now, what event in history shows most fully God's wisdom? cross why what what about the cross shows god's wisdom anybody anybody except for john what do you think why does the cross show god's wisdom steve it's complete foolishness to the world Because the cross is where Jesus' faith was applied. Most, Most visibly that Jesus had faith, a faith that was perfect, and the cross is what it looks like for faith to be perfectly applied. Dying to yourself, taking up your cross, obeying the Lord, loving God, prioritizing what God prioritizes, um, even to the point of losing everything else. The cross is where Jesus' wisdom has shown that he was completely humble. Not an ounce of pride. That's what led him to the cross. That he was willing to give up everything that he had to save a bunch of foolish people. It doesn't make sense to the world. It can't make sense to the world. Because the world doesn't understand what wisdom really is. The world says wisdom is getting what you need, doing doing things that are advantageous to you, getting the upper hand, survival even. I think the world, 10 times out of 10, would always take the job that pays the most. Because it's about survival. It's about getting stuff for yourself. But what we see with Jesus, right, is not that kind of wisdom. It's a completely different paradigm. It's, it's faith. It's sacrifice. It's love. It's being willing to lose in this life to gain something far greater. So for us too, right, the cross is the power of God. It looks like foolishness, cause who would, who would, who would die for a fool? Right, maybe for a righteous person, someone would maybe die. Maybe you would die for someone who, were, who deserved it. Why would anybody die for someone who didn't deserve it? Yeah. And God's will was, I'm going to make these foolish people mine. No matter the cost. That's what the cross proclaims. That God's wisdom overpowers and completely decimates the best the world has to offer. The best wisdom is nothing in the face of the cross. So if our wisdom looks like something different from the cross... We're missing the point. Our wisdom has to also look like the cross. Humility, putting God first, being willing to lose, to give up our advantage, to give up even our survival for the sake of others, to love God, to obey him, and to trust him. That is living by faith and not by sight. unless there's any final comments or questions, we're going to wrap up and let's pray um, and we'll have some time of fellowship. Lord, we thank you that you have loved us when we didn't love you. Father, our foolishness is, is shown all throughout our whole lives. We make decisions for ourselves, Lord, out of pride constantly. We don't live by faith. We live by sight. We live by what we want. Lord, we confess all this and ask that you would forgive us, that you would wash us clean with Christ's blood, that you would help us to focus anew on the wisdom of the cross that makes everything else look foolish. We thank you, Lord, for what you've given up to make us yours, that we can trust you, that you care for us more than we understand. Every decision we make in our lives is in your hands. Help us to trust you, to prioritize what you prioritize, to love what you love, to give our lives to you. I pray all this in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.